Well, Happy New Year and congratulations. You've made it to 2022. Isn't that something? My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at Get Well Church, South Haven. Uh, excited to have you here on this wonderful and finally cold Sunday morning, right? Man, it's finally winter. Enjoy the next three days, and then we'll be in spring, but that's fine. Uh, if you're our guest today, we're so glad that you have joined us as well, especially if you're here on campus or if you're joining us online. However and wherever, it's a fantastic day to worship the Lord. And this morning, excited uh, that we are starting a new year. So how many of you, show of hands, have ever made a New Year's resolution, or maybe you made a New Year's resolution this year? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, a few people. All right, it's... It is uh, 9.45 on January 2nd. How many of you have broken one of your New Year's resolutions already this year? Or maybe in the past. I know that, that oftentimes we, we don't get very far uh, with those. And I think that we all kind of woke up after 2020. And we woke up on January 1st, 2021 and said, what? This year is going to be different, right? And for whatever happened this last year, um, I think that for all of us, it was unexpected, right? Things didn't go as planned uh, really at all. And it was just, even if your year was uh, no different or was different, it was still just crazy and unexpected, just like the year before. It just seems to be what we're uh, going in. But why, what is it about the fact that we make resolutions and don't always seem to keep them? Why, why do we do this? Why why do we say we want things to be different, but then as much as we resolve to do it differently, it just never seems to happen? And I think it's because of this. I think it's because intentions alone aren't enough to make it to our goal. Intentions alone aren't, make, aren't enough to make it to our goal. I heard a friend, uh, my friend and uh, mentor, Will Rambo, he said this many, many times. Uh, but he said, that which we do not do on purpose, we will accidentally never do. That which we do not do on purpose, we accidentally never do. I think that we say we want things to be different. We want to, we want to lose weight. We want to drink more water. We want to pray more. We want to go to church more. We want to reconnect with our friends and our family. Uh, but just saying those things, just intending to do them, doesn't really ever get us there, right? It doesn't really ever move us to uh, the goal. And that's because intentions alone aren't enough to get us to our goal, we have to take a plan of action. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you're just kind of weary, you're kind of burnt out with life. But here's the thing, running the race of life, this, this race that we're in, it doesn't have to be that way. And now I'm not sure if they were making New Year's resolutions back in the New Testament, but if they were, I think that the author of Hebrews has a few resolutions for us this morning. So, if you've got a Bible or a device that you read from, go ahead and turn with me. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 1. Let's read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." 
In your struggle against sin, have you not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, and this comes from Proverbs uh, 3, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now, as you can tell, I'm not much of an athlete. Um, running is not my strong suit, not something that I like to do unless it's to the Christmas dinner table. Like, I'm really good at that. Um, I have run a 5K before. Um, it was slow, but successful. But really, just the thought of running for 13.1 or 26.2 miles, y'all, that, no, why? <laughs> Seems absolutely exhausting. And while the thought of running that far and that long and that much energy just seems absolutely exhausting, I think that when we look at our lives, we sometimes look ahead and we go, how am I ever going to make it? How am I ever going to run this race that is before me? I think that we have trepidation whenever we start thinking about uh, that race. But here's the thing. As Christians, we're all called to run this race of life faithfully. Faithfully. And we do it in Jesus. You see, the author of Hebrews, he describes our Christian life as, as kind of like a marathon. But I think a lot of times the way that we live our life is as a sprint. We like give it our all, we're running full out, and then five minutes later, we're so worn out, we're not even sure where, we're, where we were headed, and we are no, really no closer to our goal than we were whenever we began. But here's the thing, God hasn't gone to these great lengths that he did to free us from our sin so that we would just fall away from this faith that he has won for us. The marathon of a faithful life in Christ is not run in a matter of just a few hours, but it takes a lifetime, a lifetime of faithfulness. The author of Hebrews, I think he gives us four things from this passage today for us to, uh, to do. Four resolutions, if you will, uh, for, for us to be able to run the race of life well. And here's the thing, they're not just good intentions. They really are a plan of action to move us forward in our race and running it well. They're, they're things that he's asking us to do because they matter today. They have weight for eternity as well. And so our first thing that, that the, uh, our author is challenging us to do is to consider the witnesses. 
to consider the witnesses. Now, if you were to look back, you can look in your Bible, uh, and sometimes there's headings at the top, and your uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews may say something. Mine says, faith in action. Some may say heroes of faith. Um, sometimes it's been called the hall of faith, right? The hall of fame. It's like these are the heroes uh, of faith. But what we find in chapter 11 of Hebrews is a list of faithful saints who've gone before us. Too often, though, I read the Bible and I go through it and I forget that these are real people in a real time living in the very real presence and power of God. But as we read through that list, what we see is these aren't necessarily heroes of the faith, but they're people just like you and me. People just like you and me who who lived faithful lives in God all the way to the very end. You see, what we find of this list of people in in chapter 11 are a list of of people, what it means to live by faith. These are saints. They they saw God accomplish miraculous things in and through their lives because they walked and ran faithfully with God. And some of them, uh, verse 39 tells us that some went, were taken into glory without ever having received what was promised. Even though they never saw while they were on this earth validation for this race that they were running, y'all, they now are experiencing the fullness of the glory of God because of their faithfulness. And it's in this list, it's after this list of of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, of this faithful that the author of Hebrews tells us, therefore, so therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Can you imagine that? Such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you. I think that's a lot like this. These saints have run the marathon before us, and now they stand beside us, encouraging us uh, to keep running the race. It's as if we're running this race of life, and they're the ones on the side of the road who are holding the signs. You can do it. You can do it. Isn't that great? If you ever get the chance, take some time to read through chapter 11. Be encouraged by it to see how God strengthened those saints and how that strengthens us today as we run our race of faithfulness. Now, when the race of life seems daunting, just remember the ones who have gone before us. And as we face 2022, we faithfully follow Jesus because of the ones who, the countless ones who have come before us who have done so as well. So that's our first resolution is to consider the witnesses who've gone before us. Now, when I work out, which happens occasionally, and I start feeling that burn, right? It's in my muscles. That pain sometimes makes me want to give up, right? I want to, I want to give up on my, not finish my, my workout. But every good athlete will tell you that if you just push through that pain, that the, that's when you get the gain, Right? And the same is true about our race in life. It can be exhausting, it can be painful at times, but we have to move our focus from our here and now out of this pain and onto someone else, and that is Jesus. And that's what the author of Hebrews says. He says, in those times that we're in the valley, like many of us have experienced over the last several years, we should fix our eyes on Jesus. So consider the witnesses Second resolution, fix your eyes on Jesus. Those saints in Hebrews 11, they didn't have Jesus to look to. 
They only had to live in faith of the promises that God had made that were to come. But here's the thing, we're even more privileged, right? Because we live on this side of the cross, we, we know what God, what links God has gone in his son, Jesus, and we live in the promises that have been fulfilled. See, our God's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper, and he really is the only one who can do that. The author of Hebrews writes this in verse two. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus is both the author and the completer of our faith. He's the beginning and the end of all that we believe. He started the process of faith in us, and he's also the one who will bring it to completion in the end. You see, in this God-man Jesus, what we see is what the perfect example of what it means to be faithful to God. And like I mentioned earlier, it's by us fixing our eyes on Jesus that we recognize just the great links that Jesus went to on our behalf. And because he did that, he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God, which for me, and I hope for you, is a tremendous comfort as we run this race. Because what gives us the strength to run this race all the way to the finish line is the fact that Jesus has already won the victory for us. Jesus has already won the victory. He suffered in this life, but he ran with perseverance. He became burdened by the weight of our sin, even to the point of death. And he died on the cross. He took on the punishment of our sin for us that we deserve. He took our shame. He took our guilt. And he endured it all for our sake. He endured it all so that we would not what? We would not give up. That we wouldn't grow weary and lose heart. The author of Hebrews is as if he is saying, fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't give up. Consider Jesus who began that good work in you. And as Paul says, he's going to bring it to completion in the end. We can run the race of life when we resolve to fix our eyes on Jesus because of what he has done and of what he's going to do in our lives. So, our resolution so far, first one was consider the witnesses, right? Consider those who have gone before us, those faithful saints. Second was fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the, the author and completer of our faith. He's the one who's won the victory for us. And now our third resolution is to trust God, to trust God. One of the greatest questions of the Christian life, at least it's one that I ask a lot, and maybe you have too, is why is life so hard? Have you ever asked that question before? Why is life so hard? I mean, if Jesus really has won the victory over sin and death, why in the world do we encounter such struggles and pain and suffering and difficulty in our Christian lives today? Why? And if anyone ever told you whenever you became a Christian that life was going to be easier, they lied. <laughs> it isn't. But why does God allow us to go through things that we would rather not go through? Well, this is addressed back in verses 4 through 11. But I want to be very clear here. 
God is not the author of evil and bad things. Okay, let's just get that clear. God is not the author of evil and bad things. God is the redeemer and the restorer of all things. We live in a fallen and broken world, but here's the thing, is that God's plan of redemption is in motion. God's plan of redemption is in motion. And I think that the author of Hebrews in, in, in verses 4 through 11, he's speaking to his congregation about a very specific issue that was going on. And it was most likely persecution. They were being persecuted for what they believed. But even though I'd argue that probably none of us are actually experiencing any real persecution, we can talk about that later if you would like, um, there are Christians and brothers and sisters around the world today that are. But even though we're not experiencing that kind of persecution, I do think that there is truth that we can gain out of this passage that we can apply to our lives uh, even today and for whatever might come in our lives. But the best thing for enduring hard times, those tough times, is to have a different frame of mind than what the world offers. Too often we've allowed the world to dictate for us as Christians what we're to believe about what's happening around us and to us. But I think what the author of Hebrews is really wanting to push us toward is to have a different frame of mind. And that's why I think he says that we have to trust God. See, I think that we can endure some really intense moments in life if we know that they're not meaningless. If we know they're not meaningless. As verse 11 says, God uses our difficulties and hardships and sufferings to do what? To train us. Just like when you are going to run a race. You train, you, you start running a little bit here and there, then you start building up more and more, right? And it's so that you condition your body so that you can endure the demands of the race. Likewise, I think that God takes our sufferings, those difficult, those hard moments, and he uses them to produce in us holiness. Holiness. Verse 7, he says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. See, he uses this picture of, of a parent and a child to show God's goal in shaping us. A father disciplines his child because he loves him. He wants to produce a good character in him. And when it's done right, what does the child do? The child grows up and understands the value of that discipline uh, on his life. And now, not all fathers are great at this. I will go ahead and recognize that right now. But I do think that our parents tried the best that they can, hopefully, um, what they see. And there's no doubt that sometimes we recognize the benefit of, of all of those rules and all of those things that we were supposed to do uh, in our lives. But thanks be to God, God is not like our earthly parents. He's even better. He's even better he knows exactly the best way to shape us, to mold us, to grow us up in our faith. And that will do what? That leads to righteousness and peace in our lives. And here's the thing. He gets it right every single time. Every single time. Like a coach, he knows exactly what regimen we need to be on that will best prepare us for this race of life that we're uh, going through. Now, the end result of God's shaping will be worth it whatever we have to go through to get there. God doesn't want to just mold us and shape us and make us happy. He wants to make us holy. That is his, his ultimate concern is that he makes us holy. 
Now, I do want to stop for a second and make some distinctions here between uh, punishment, discipline, and consequences, all right? Punishment and judgment are the things that, that we get. It's like being paid back for something that you've done wrong, right? Uh, but when we've given our lives to Jesus, when you've given your life to Jesus, we don't experience judgment anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. He took on our punishment. That's what scripture tells us. He took on our punishment so we don't experience that anymore. There is no more condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. Now, discipline is that loving action that's taken to mold our character by God. And that may be painful at times, but the goal is formation, not payback. And then there are consequences, right? Consequences are the results of our bad decisions. Here's the thing. Our we suffer consequences for our sin, for the actions of our sin, all right? That's just a part of life. But sometimes God uses those consequences to shape us. But we never, ever, ever, ever suffer punishment because Jesus took on our punishment on the cross. When we place our trust in God and our Heavenly Father, we find ourselves in a different frame of mind than that of the world. We know that through our sufferings and hardship and difficulties that God is training us in holiness. And I love Romans 8, 28. It says that God is all-knowing and all-powerful and in control of all things and using them all for our good. In verse 9 of Hebrews 12, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? Trust God. Trust him. See what he's going to do in your life. Let him shape you because it's going to bring life. We, not, we might not be experiencing the throes of persecution like the early church or even those of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world today, but we do experience sufferings in the midst of everyday life. There's difficulties, disappointments, broken hearts, so many things. But we have to trust that God is at work redeeming and restoring and shaping and working in this world, even in the midst of that. And that's a word of encouragement for us as we face 2022. So our resolutions for running the race well. The first one was consider the witnesses. Second one was fix your eyes on Jesus. The third one was Trust God. All right, someone was listening. Good. And then the fourth one is remember the joy of Jesus. Remember the joy of Jesus. Now, I skipped a phrase back in verse 2 that I want to go back to. So look back with me. It says, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. Jesus endured the cross. This is joy is that in going to the cross, he, he brought believers into the kingdom of God. This joy is that in going to the cross, he saved mankind from their sin, from darkness of death and sin, and brought us into life, doing the thing that we could not do on our own, bringing hope to hopeless people. Jesus did that. He knew what he was going to do. He knew where he was headed to that cross, and he did it with joy. He did it with 
joy. Jesus, in that joy and going to the cross, Jesus opened the way for the Holy Spirit to come and enable us to do what? To throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so that we could run with perseverance the race that was marked out before us. Why do we want to be weighed down by the same sin that we've been carrying all the time? When the thing is, is that Jesus has already taken that sin off of us. I've heard Pastor Jonathan say it before. It's oftentimes like we come and we lay our sin on the altar and we go back to our seat. But then as soon as service is over, we sneak back up and we pick it back up off the altar, right? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Jesus, in his joy, went to the cross for you and me and this world so that we would not have to take this burden of sin anymore on us. And that's why I think the author of Hebrews encourages us in verse 12. He says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. As we look out ahead of us, as we look to this race that we're running, it's going to be daunting. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But he entreats us to strengthen our feeble arms and our weak knees because of the joy of Jesus, because of what he has won for us. So what is it that thing that you need to throw off in your life that's hindering you? It's probably not a spouse, okay? So don't, don't go there. Um, but what's sin? What sin is there that you need to throw off? When we remember Jesus' joy, it reminds us that we don't carry these weights any longer. Don't wait. As we get into this year, give it back to God. Whatever you took back up off that altar since you gave your life to Christ, give it back. Run unhindered into this life, into this race, into this future that God has for us so that we can do it, not weighed down, but we can run without hindrance and with perseverance. Because of Jesus' joy, because of Jesus' joy, his grace has been made available to us, which enables us to lay aside everything that weighs us down to be able to run the race without hindrance. It's a new year, right? What are you planning on doing with it? What are you planning on doing with it? I want to urge you to make Jesus number one in your life this year. And that's going to take more than just good intentions. It's going to take a plan of action. Nothing's going to change unless you start implementing new strategies, right? But the author of Hebrews gives us four resolutions, four things, four ways of action to move forward in our race and life with Jesus. Consider the witnesses. Consider the faithful ones who have gone before us. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who has won the victory for us. No matter what 2022 holds, trust God. Trust God. He's at work. He's shaping and he's redeeming. And he wants to do great things in and through you. And then as we go through this year, the fourth resolution, just remember the joy of Jesus. It was his joy, his pleasure to do that for you, to give you life 
and life abundantly. I don't know what lies ahead. Really don't. But we can make purposeful resolution to move forward toward our goal of becoming more like Jesus this year by practicing those four things. Who knows what this year holds in store for us? But I do know that God will honor. He will. He will honor our effort to follow him more closely by empowering us with his Holy Spirit. And if you're ready for different, ask him. Ask him. And then strap up for the race in 2022. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful for the encouragement that it brings to us. God, we are weary after the last several years. Lord, it just seems like life wants to beat us down more and more. But God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and empower and encourage our spirit. Lord, that you would help us to be able to uh, strap up for the race that is set out before us. And Lord, we don't get to choose this race. But Lord, we know that with you, we can run it well. And so God, we thank you that we're able to fix our eyes on you, to trust you, God, and to see what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, for the faithful ones that have gone before us. Lord, we ask your blessing over our lives and over this next year. And Lord, we ask for just a renewed spirit to faithfully follow you, Jesus, in all things. And it's by your powerful name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to pray, we'd love to pray with you. You can come forward and pray at the altars. You can pray in your seat. But let's sing a song of response because of what God has done. Once you come to the altar, let's sing.